Hello and welcome to the Blockchain and Us, where pioneers and thought leaders talk about their journey in blockchain technology, crypto assets, and the token economy. And I'm your host, Manuel Staggers. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a top rating and review on iTunes, and feel free to follow me on Twitter at Manuel Staggers. This episode has support from no official sponsor, but from my very own The Blockchain and Us newsletter. Get an email from me every two weeks with a very short summary of new podcast episodes so you can immediately pick those interviews you'd like to listen to. To stay up to date, just visit www.theblockchainandus.com and sign up today. My guest today in this somewhat shorter special episode is the one and only Joe Lubin. Joe is the co-founder of Ethereum and the founder of Consensus, which is, in its own words, a global formation of technologists and entrepreneurs building the infrastructure, applications, and practices that enable a decentralized world. This conversation took place on very short notice, and I'd like to thank everybody at Consensus who made this happen. And now, to the interview. Hi, Joe, and many thanks for taking time today. Sure, pleasure. What do you think are maybe things that people most often misunderstand about Ethereum? So what do people most often misunderstand about Ethereum? Uh, I, I think uh, um, it's a big, complicated, sophisticated project. Um, maybe the main misunderstanding is that uh, um, people either significantly in the space or outside of the space uh, I think try to map it on to the way corporations operate right now. Um, and uh, the Ethereum project uh, is a massively decentralized project. Uh, um, it's essentially an open source project and platform. Uh, and decision making uh, is a big, fuzzy, hairy, messy thing. Um, there is, uh, so I think... Uh, in terms of leadership, there are lots of leaders on the project. Vitalik is an outstanding uh, driver of the technology, uh, an outstanding research scientist, and uh, an individual of great integrity and um, great decision-making capability um, in that he uh, sources opinion broadly, uh, weighs opinion, makes his own decisions. Um, but he doesn't... I'd, I've never seen him tell anybody to do anything and I've never um, I haven't seen him often um, make decisions for the project uh, decisions are, are really uh, made by consensus and there is a um, consensus SUS and, and there is a um, um, a process by which uh, uh, proposals uh, get proposed and commented on and uh, essentially uh, voted on by people uh, who implement things. And uh, if there's sufficient popular opinion, uh, they make their way through this arduous process uh, and into the clients. And even, even if they get into the clients at times, uh, as we saw um, during the, the DAO event, um, the software developers actually uh, gave the people downloading the software a choice of which of the forks uh, they would choose to activate on their particular node. Uh, so um, that that would be, I, I think, the biggest misunderstanding that uh, um, 
there is nobody in control. Mm -hmm. There's nobody in control and everything's decentralized, even decision-making. So maybe this whole idea of a decentralized world is just hard to understand. Uh, well, I, I guess that's true. I mean, we have uh, uh, different degrees of decentralization amongst different systems. Um, uh, so Ethereum is not a top-down command and control infrastructure. Um, and um, that is, I guess, uh, unusual for some people, uh, but it's, uh, it's increasingly an architecture that makes more and more sense. Uh, so we have um, great communication mechanisms right now uh, around the world, and we have um, tools that can enable us to come to decisions uh, amongst a group of actors, even, even if up to half of the actors are malicious. So these blockchain systems... Uh, Uh, can enable that sort of de um, um, decentralized collective decision-making. Um, and we're building tools on top of those protocols. So uh, different different tools, different voting systems, um, um, liquid democracy for delegating votes and uh, futarchy. And uh, so we're, we're going to see a lot of experimenting with different mechanisms. We're doing some of that uh, at, at our company. Um, and um, the age in which we need to organize things um, via top-down command and control and hierarchically um, is dissipating somewhat. Those are still good mechanisms in many contexts, but uh, um, those mechanisms are most effective uh, when uh, communication is slow and expensive and decision-making is therefore difficult and Uh, we're often in contexts where we don't have those sorts of constraints anymore. Mm -hmm. And you said it yourself that that world is maybe slowly, you know, coming to an end and maybe something new uh, emerges. Absolutely. Um, and even within uh, decentralized organizations, there, there are good uses for hierarchy. Uh, so there are good uses for increasing, uh, increasingly abstracted representation of information or um, fluid hierarchies where you have role systems that form for a specific project, as long as you don't have a, a rigid structural hierarchy uh, so that um, people you know, can lock in uh, power and silo information uh, as long as these things are um, able to fluidly construct themselves and dissipate and reconstruct themselves for different purposes, then uh, I think you're fine. When you imagine that all these visions that you have with the things you're building, with what Ethereum can do, imagine all of this came true. How would you describe, you know, some of the main characteristics of that kind of world? Um, so on the permissionless network side of things, uh, it would look like a decentralized World Wide Web where we have... Um, full control over our aspects of identity, can monetize those if we wish to, uh, and much greater agency, much greater economic agency, much greater political agency, social agency, uh, where uh, we, for our economic or other lives, um, can participate in protocol-based open platforms, and we don't uh, need intermediaries to facilitate uh, transactions for us, and And we can um, occupy different roles on protocol-based open platforms in situations that we care about, like maybe in the music industry on Ujo Music, um, and 
make a living that way or uh, just get greater satisfaction from participating um, uh, through our own greater agency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Imagine we went, you know, to the year maybe 2025 and we look back. What do you think might we have underestimated and what might we have overestimated? 2025 is pretty far away. Uh, it, it's definitely hard to uh, um, figure out all the ways of using this technology um, because essentially when a new technology um, uh, becomes established, uh, the early uses of the technology basically reflect um, the uses of previous generations of technology. So um, TVs invented and people stand up in front of the camera and do radio plays. Basically, they, do, they just read uh, their, their radio play part. Uh, and so we're going to uh, use this new technology and we'll um, you know, poke at and explore little dimensions uh, that are obvious to us to, to make use of. Okay, great, we can tokenize some assets. That's cool. We can you know, vote, uh, we can uh, create uh, true or, or fair randomness, uh, we can uh, have gaming systems that are provably fair. Um, but those are just uh, cute additions to current paradigms or enhancements of current, par current paradigms. We don't really know um, what is uh, going to be um, constructed by creative people um, 10 or so years from now. Uh, so uh, it's a bit of a cop-out answer. Uh, but if you look at, uh, at how um, the web technology ramified between 1989 when it was invented and 99 when, when like normal, real normal human beings were using email, um, it, I guess you could have uh, extrapolated uh, from there um, but you couldn't really, I think, extrapolate to people sending 140 character messages or um, dating online or uh, getting into a stranger's car or sleeping in, in a stranger's home and, and that these would be um, uh, sort of very common mechanisms in uh, society in, in a couple decades. Well, it's definitely hard to imagine what's possible. Yeah, so it, it is, I mean, we have lots of speculations about what's possible. So we're going to tokenize virtually everything. We're going to have deep liquid markets for tokenized everything. We're going to be able to trade many different assets against many uh, other assets. We're going to have uh, fluid buying and selling mechanisms where all we do is think or we basically decide we want to buy this thing and our smart agent wallet will figure out which tokens we, we want to get rid of first and and uh, and use those to buy things. Uh, we're going to have um, data markets. Uh, we're going to have sensors feeding those data markets. We're going to have um, my utterances, my personal information, signals coming off my body, maybe feeding those data markets. Um, I'm going to be, as we discussed before, uh, in greater control of those things and have greater agency in how those things are used. Uh, so. Uh, I think we move into a world where the silos uh, dissolve significantly, information silos, power silos, uh, transactional silos, uh, into a world where um, 
uh, free markets uh, will be pretty pervasive. So free markets for data and and virtually everything, which is a good thing in many events. But if you if you look at the other side, I mean, why would such a decentralized world not be a good idea? Uh, I can't think of any reasons why a decentralized world wouldn't be a, a good idea. I, I think. Um, Uh, any technology can be used uh, for nefarious purposes, um, but uh, that technology, because it is open and accessible, uh, will have bad actors drawn to it, but will also have good actors drawn to it. And uh, I think we'll have the ability to um, create you know, self-regulatory mechanisms that can police bad behavior. Uh, so for instance, Uh, right now, if I want to issue shares uh, in a company and sell those shares to naive grandmothers, I, I can do that. I set up a bucket shop. I, I start making phone calls. That's, that's a, a difficult uh, activity to track down and police. Uh, you can do uh, traditional police work. The SEC and law enforcement does take care of those situations. But um, we have a lot of great stuff going on in token launches around the world. But there's also lots of bad projects and fraudulent projects, and, and we're uh, at the start of that ecosystem. Uh, as we evolve in that ecosystem, um, it's going to become necessary to release a white paper uh, and to uh, share certain significant pieces of data about your project in order to get anybody to pay attention to it. And so uh, in that context of global access to this information, low barrier uh, to going out and collecting that information, I, I think we would be able to create uh, much better uh, self-regulatory systems to essentially crowd police that sort of activity. Uh, if you're not disclosing all the relevant data and uh, if you aren't well-received by a incentivized set of analyst actors who are sharing their analyses, then uh, you're basically not going to be relevant in the token launch space. Um, what is a skill that you think is important for people to have to be relevant in the future? Um, well, if the thesis is that um, various technologies uh, will ramify on systems in the future and um, blockchain technology is one of those profound technologies, uh, then it's going to be everywhere. Uh, so... Uh, we are going to need people with all sorts of talents uh, from obviously software development, um, but you know, anything, uh, legal, marketing, um, etc. cetera. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, I think it represents a, a shift in how society will operate. Um, in 1989, uh, we all lived our lives very differently. Um, and... Uh, we've all essentially adapted. Uh, many of us have taken similar skills like in the legal profession and we've had to upskill ourselves and understand how these, these new systems work, but we're still uh, essentially doing some you know, core classes of activities and uh, I, I think we'll continue to do that. Uh, certainly as we move towards a world in which uh, software undergirds lots of our activities, um, it's all about creating appropriate user interfaces so that the human beings um, can operate on their terms and, and the software facilitates what we as humans want to do together. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Imagine there, there weren't any Ethereum and there were no consensus. What do you think would you be doing? Mm, I would... Uh do what I've been doing all my life, read about technology, build technology, and I'd probably sleep more. <laughs> okay, great. Joe, I have a ton of other questions that I'd love to ask, but I know you have to go. Um, I really appreciate your taking time for this interview. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. More info on our guests and our sponsors is in the show notes of this episode and on the podcast website, theblockchainandus.com. To help people find this podcast, it's important that you download, subscribe, and give it a top rating and review on iTunes or on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Manuel Staggers, and I thank you very much for listening. <laughs>